Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here we go. I'm going to do it with the soundboard plugged into the desk, though. That is my... I was going to say that sounded a little bit... Yeah, a little bit thin. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and returning from his travels is Matt to Rumpets. How we've missed you, Matt. Oh, yes, indeed. I have missed being on the show, and I'm delighted to be back. You've been on your travels around the UK and you have missed two or three shows, two shows that you would normally be on. I do have a bone to pick with you though, Matt. Oh, what would that be? I don't want to get stressy. I don't want it to be like a flame war, but you did suggest a topic today that we already covered extensively in the last show, which means that I've just discovered when you're not on the show, you don't listen. Well, sometimes I do, but when I'm traveling internationally, perhaps... Is not such a thing. It's not really It's not really good enough, but it's okay. It's fine. Not upset about that at all. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by tech expert Summers F1. Don't panic, though, everyone. It's not a tech show. You're going to join us for some predictions and some news, Summers. I am indeed, and hi, gentlemen. If you want tech stuff, though, you just go over to Summer's channel, which is Summer's something. Summer's F1. Yes, that's right. Uh, welcome to everybody who's only caught up with our content over the winter. I promise we, we take it far more seriously once the season starts, don't we, Matt? We're, we're like fully like, hey, everyone, here's the things that happened in the order that they happened. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Entirely that. Now, we skipped yesterday's live stream, so apologies to anyone who tried to tune in on Sunday. We had an iRacing event that passed completely without controversy, Matt, and you're definitely not embroiled in a in an iRacing uh, argument and debate with Jeansy that requires a whole podcast to explain. I have three words. Brad's on my forward side. Counting words is difficult. Uh, we're also going to do some panel predictions today, as well as the predictions of the three of us that are on today. I've got voice notes from the likes of Joe Sayward, Alex Brundle, our video editor, Brad, Felix, Chris Stevens, and uh, oh, Jake Sanson as well. And we'll just try and uh, work through those and see what we think is right and wrong. Do you want to start off with that, or should we start off with a news, Matt? What about, what about I give you free choice? I tell you what, let's mix it up. Normally, we almost always start with news. Let's do a prediction first. All right, then. Should we start with Uncle Joe? 
Hi, this is Joe talking about the 2019 Formula One season, which is going to kick off fairly soon. To be quite honest, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. Everyone thinks it's going to be Ferrari who are going to be on top, but therefore I'll say it's going to be Mercedes because you never quite know after winter testing. If you're looking for a big surprise of the year, my money's on Alexander Albon. I think everyone expects good things from uh, Charles Leclerc. But I think Albon will be the big surprise because I think he will do things that people are not expecting him to do because pretty much nobody's ever heard of him. So um, I hope he does well and I think he will. So I think we're in for a really good season and I think we're in for lots of excitement. I don't think we're going to be going to races going, we know what's going to happen. I think we're going to be going saying, who the hell is going to win this one? It'll be between Ferrari, Mercedes and probably uh, Red Bull. But I think... Renault, they won't win, but they'll be close. Optimistic about Renault there. That kind of leads into your first news item anyway, Matt. He's predicting, and probably against the grain a little bit, that Mercedes will just turn up and be clearly faster. Right. And I don't know that they will start off faster. In fact, really, if this reminds me of anything, it reminds me of of last season. Uh, We see the Ferrari, by all accounts, um, looking to be the easiest to drive. It was the quickest, barely over a single lap. And according to, I believe, the ESPN analysis had around a two tenths advantage in race pace over Mercedes. And we also saw, I don't know um, how else to say it, but the uh, quote unquote spec B solution, which is a bit surprising for Mercedes that they would show up with one car one week and kind of a brand new car the next week and there's been lots of speculation about it but i don't really know but what i do know is that given that situation last year that mercedes was able to develop their way uh, to being quicker and more consistent than ferrari but i will say with the new driver at ferrari they may be facing uh, a loss in the championship because that is a car that can consistently bring home points when driven well by both drivers uh, let's go to Summers then, because the main strength of of Mercedes has been able to go down these different development paths. If they can actually turn up with two different concepts for the tracks where they turn up and they're just dead in the water, and they know they're turning up to Singapore, dead in the water, and Monaco, and uh, and Mexico, for example. Uh, I'd love to get your opinion on Joe's prediction, although Joe has made it pretty clear that all you tech journalists are pretty much just guessing. Well, aren't we all just guessing from testing, though, to be honest, Spanners? Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of Mercedes, they've they've clearly had situations in the past where they've struggled at particular types of circuits. And I think perhaps what we've seen borne out over the first and second test with the different specifications that we've seen from the two cars is, is that basically they're, they're fundamentally looking at different directions to take in order that they can dial out the performance issues they've had in the past at certain circuits. So what I think we'll see is throughout the season, as is always the case with Mercedes, they may start a little bit slower, uh, but they will be able to have much more scope for development throughout the season. And we'll see them perhaps really start to kick on once the the uh, they return to the European leg uh, and can really start to push some development onto the car. Matt, last season and the season before that, you were very optimistic about Ferrari. I kept saying to you, look, once the Barcelona stuff kicks in, Mercedes are much better over the season. They've got, they're the better team. They're going to have the faster car for most of the season. And each year you've gone, no, 
No, Ferrari are definitely going to win the championship. I stake my professional podcasting reputation on it. And you've been made a fool every time. No, I, I, I disagree politely. I don't think I've been made a fool. I think Ferrari has, in their inimitable fashion thus far, managed to lose something that they had a grasp or a potential grasp on. Um, and we, we can look at the correlation issues they had. And how many races did they go? Three races before they decided to revert. How many points did they lose right there? I mean, effectively, that was a loss for them persisting with a development that they couldn't get working. Uh, my understanding of it was ultimately was down to correlation issues, which any team can have. Um, but also, we can look at the personnel changes and perhaps conclude that the plan that Mark Ioni had for the team uh, got interrupted halfway through by his illness and subsequent passing. So they were very much a team in disarray, and I don't believe they fulfilled their full potential. Mercedes remains formidable no matter what you do. So what and I'm hearing, it- yeah, well, what I'm hearing is that we're yeah. just going to have to have the same argument again. Ferrari are going to turn up quite strong in Australia in the flyaways. You're going to basically award them the title, and then by the time it comes to Mercedes being dominant, you're going to claim that you never said Ferrari were going to win. Yeah, that, that's that's the abusive pattern that we're just going to recycle again. Fair enough. Although, carefully to all of my words, you will discover that I said it's the constructor's championship that I think might be more in doubt for Mercedes, not the driver's championship. Right, yo. Should we let you two loose on a bit of tyres because Hamilton was unhappy with his tyres? Yeah, if you like. Um, so he, he, did a little, he did a little interview uh, post, post-testing and he was very unhappy because he thought Pirelli were bringing the fancy new thin tires that he loved from last season. But when he drove on them, he did not have that same experience. And this confused Pirelli, which said, well, you know, we actually brought the actual tires and uh, they, they, they sort of matched what we brought last year. So we perhaps need to talk to him and find out what he means. But they did bring up the rather important point that it's a bit colder in Barcelona this time of year than it was when he was using those tires last summer. And speaking of summer. Yeah, so so I think there's a thing to also think about there in terms of the way that the tires react to that temperature. So we've obviously got an operating window in which that they work, uh, which has obviously changed depending on the compound that we've got this year, which has an effect on they, how they perform over not only one lap, but also a stint. And then on top of that, you've also got a new protocol from Pirelli who've changed the tyre temperature blankets. Um, So we've got 100 degrees maximum on the front, but only 80 degrees on the rear. And I think that's going to have quite a bearing, especially when you think about how Mercedes have struggled in terms of uh, keeping the tyres in their optimum window throughout stages of the past few seasons. Uh, On top of that, looking through uh, the times that we had, I think a lot of people just tend to look at the top line figure, the the best time on the C5 tyre, and just say, well, everything's really close. But you also have to monitor what's going on in terms of the race pace to understand who's actually better throughout a race. You know, it's all well and good being good on a Saturday and qualifying at the front of the grid. But if you can't make those tyres last and go throughout a stint, then it really is no use for the rest of the, the, the weekend. Yeah, and I had wondered, uh, given his complaints, if this might not also have been a bit of a clue as to where Mercedes were struggling, because you're talking the rear tires, blankets are not as hot. What 
people at the track reported was that it was the rear end and instability in the rear end, particularly, that was giving Mercedes problem and costing them lap time. And is this just something that they're going to have to fix? Or is this just something that once the track heats up properly, won't be an issue for them unless we see uh, the kind of weather that we had at, let's say, you know, Austin or places like that, unexpected and out, out of the ordinary weather? I think, firstly, it's things that we'll start to see them dial out. The trouble with Barcelona testing is, is that we get used to, or the drivers certainly get used to driving a particular circuit and a certain set of parameters. But if you look at the overall run pace of the Mercedes on the long runs, they don't look as bad as they perhaps do on the shorter stints. So I think they they're pre- they are perhaps having problems with the tyres, but I think it's something that they will learn to adjust to. If you look at the delta between each lap, so the time taken um between one lap to the next the average lap time that certainly uh, Valtteri was doing was very very rarely dropping off so I think to immediately say that Mercedes are not in the game is a mistake I do believe that they'll be there and in my opinion um, in the first few races of the season we will see a, a titanic battle between Ferrari and Mercedes. Yeah, I think Joe might be right. It might be a season where we don't turn up knowing exactly what's going to happen. His other prediction, his more far out prediction, was that Albon would surprise. That's Alexander Albon, the new Toro Rosso driver. He's right. We don't know a great deal about him because all the hype coming into 2018 and the new drivers has been Lando Norris on YouTube and Twitch and George Russell failing to take anything like a decent corporate photo nothing of no i'm not going to judge him on that you should see some of my public uh profile photos especially when they say smile guys and you just come out with like a grin and you think yeah i've nailed it and then it's horrible and it's there on the bbc cambridgeshire website forever and you can't change it don't look don't look it's horrible um but anyway uh alexander alban could have the potential to be the highest ranking rookie race after race map because he's there in his Toro Rosso. We know Daniel Kvyat is beatable and we know Alexander Albon, Al- Albon has won four races. And we know that because I've, I've just looked on Wikipedia. And that's always a good place to look for completely unimpeachable sources on everything. Let L- me just say that right now, school kids. Last year... He won four races in the FIA Formula 2 Championship. So he's someone who can win races amongst these superstars that we've been hearing about, Russell and Norris. Yeah, and in fact, he was originally slated to go to Formula E and wound up uh, being given permission to move to Toro Rosso. And I can tell you from the Formula E side, uh, he was extremely highly rated. And I, I, I would be 100% down with that prediction. He will do much better than most people will be expecting. But also, Toro Rosso is the back half of the midfield. So the expectations and the pressure on him will be, in some ways, although it is a Red Bull team, so that's just sort of their raison d'etre, I suppose you would say, there will be that pressure on him to perform. But it won't be the same kind of media scrutiny and intensity that perhaps uh, Charles Leclerc had to deal with. And I think it's it's fair to say, obviously, I've said that Kvyat is beatable. The the pressure Summers is going to be on Kvyat this season, having already been demoted twice. I think people are, especially Max Verstappen fans, who think that you need Kvyat to be demoted in order for Max to pick up a victory. Uh, it's not It's not unfeasible that he won't finish the season as an F1 driver. I'd be pretty nervous if I was Kvyat, but that does take the pressure off of Alexander Albon. 
Yeah, but we have to remember that the Red Bull programme sort of has hit sort of a, a, an unsteady area really in terms of the drivers that they can bring through. So Kvyat might actually uh, manage to survive a season for a change. Um, <laughs> he's been unfortunate because I don't think he was actually particularly bad when he was in, in, in at Red Bull, but he's just sort of faltered in his career due to the way that Red Bull run their driver programme. But as you're both saying, I, I think he's got his hands full when it comes to Albon. Um, I think he's really going to give the Russian a, a, a go for his money. I tell you what, let's stick with Toro Rosso because I know that our quiz master Chris Turner has a prediction that involves these drivers as well. Hi, it's your favourite quiz master, Catman, reporting for duty. I'm hopeful that 2019 will be a much better battle at the front than it was in 2018, but I have two predictions for you further back. The first is that Renault will still not score a podium but they will win the midfield battle comfortably. I reckon that Ricardo will beat Hulkenberg by less than 10 points. And my second prediction is that Toro Rosso will not finish the season with the drivers that they start with. Now, does that mean that Kvyat's going to get promoted to Red Bull when, inevitably, Gasly implodes under the pressure of the Verstappen juggernaut? Or does that mean that um, Alexander Albon's going to do very badly and be replaced with Dan Ticton when he finally gets his super license. I'll leave that up to you. Thank you very much there to terrible quizmaster Chris Catman Turner. What mic is he using? That was boomy and rich and gorgeous, wasn't it? Uh, so his predictions. We'll come back to the Renault stuff a little bit later. So many people optimistic about Renault. I think it's the popular driver effect, isn't it? They've got two very very charismatic and popular drivers. Uh, but sticking with Toro Rosso for a second, that prediction that they will not finish with the same drivers that they started with, that's a that's a pretty good shout, Matt, because you've got both those guys. Kvyat is in danger of being sacked. He's also potentially next in line for Gasly, who already looks a little shaky in that Red Bull. Yeah, could be. But I mean, Verstappen looked equally shaky when he moved up to that machinery. So I, I, I don't write much into it. Gasly has a very high opinion of himself, and I don't see him being any more susceptible short term to the max okay. effect than Ricardo was. Long term, he might make different choices. But you're right. If Red Bull get impatient with him, he, he might be out the door rather quickly. Summers, do you know if... If, is Tictum a prospect for this season? As far as I knew, he wasn't a prospect until next year. As far as I'm aware, they're, they're still continuing to push to try ah. to get his super license points sorted out. But um, yeah, I, I would suggest next year is when we'll see Tictum in the in the seat. So that that's strange. So I wonder, I wonder if if Albon is more vulnerable as the new kid. And isn't it funny though uh, that? Stevens instantly has taken a dislike to Albon because he feels that Albon has slighted Formula E. All right. Yeah, I, I think it is very funny, especially because, well, especially because Albon actually is um, is a driver that you're really going to want to watch. But he feels personally slighted because his favorite sport was spurned. There's no way any young driver is is not going to grab that chance to go I, I want to be in Formula One. And I think that is going to be the case until you start seeing Formula One teams looking over at Formula E and going, he's done well, you know, jump in our car. So perhaps if Degrassi and Boemi had been picked up by F1 teams who'd gone, oh, yeah, they need another shot, 
you might then have seen young drivers going, Formula E is a route into Formula One. Right now, Albon would have been mad to go to Formula E instead of F1. I will just point out that Formula One literally just picked Albon up from Formula E. So. Yeah, but he wasn't, no, he wasn't driving in Formula E, was he? He wasn't, like, didn't do a season in Formula E. He was just on paper Formula E. Uh, he had signed a contract for Formula E, so. That clearly doesn't count. Summers. <laughs> I- I'm with you, Spanners, on this one, to be honest, because <laughs> he hadn't even um, turned a wheel in anger in Formula E, so. You know, he hadn't been picked up as a Formula E driver. And as you say, I think it's a case of uh, there's that transition where we'll see perhaps at some stage Formula E drivers being punted back into Formula One from the base level. Uh, But at this stage, it certainly doesn't seem to be that way. Yeah, no, I actually think what you're going to see is this is going to be where certain F2 drivers will go to have a more competitive ride. Because right now, the amount of sponsorship you bring to F2 has a lot to do with how well your prospects for Formula One are. And I think people without the budget to be at one of the top teams might begin to look at Formula E as being a very good alternative to catch some eyeballs. Bruce Wayne in the chat room says, Gasly's biggest problem is him shaving off his moustache. We all know that a moustache is worth five tenths. Think of Mansell and Rosberg, etc. Hello to the live stream. You can join the live stream by going to YouTube and searching Missed Apex Podcast. And you can join in with the chat. You can see our faces and you can chat along as we're having this discussion. Normally Sunday, 8pm. This time... We've done it at 2 p.m. UK time and not told anyone. Uh, and we've still got quite a busy chat room. So thank you to everybody pretending to work. As Mira303 says, with the headphones on, I look very busy. There we go. That's a life hack for you. So we've been slating Chris Stevens. Why don't we hear his predictions for F1 2019? Hey, guys. So one of my predictions for this season is that Ferrari are going to arrive in Melbourne with just a slight hint of an advantage in terms of race pace Bold I think call. in qualifying mercedes might be able to compete with them and i think even red bull could be there or thereabouts as well but i think on race pace the ferrari just seems to have a very small edge uh my other prediction for the Do you know i'm just going to pause it there summers is that something that we can see can we see race pace from testing can we do tire adjusted can we do fuel adjusted is there any basis for going oh, over 70 laps of Australia, Ferrari are going to have a slight advantage? Well, you can obviously work out the the, the race pace from uh, the times, but there's always uh, factors that you cannot uh, put into those calculations. So it's always a difficult one. Uh, there, but there's clearly people out there that are going to create these sort of pecking orders in that respect. Uh, but yeah, it is difficult to try to to work out who actually does hold the candle at the moment. All right. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm not slating him. I do encourage wild speculation. So let's see. See here is a, his more way out there prediction. The season, and it's more of a personal hope more than anything, really. But that the midfield can actually be in contention for podiums uh, in certain racing scenarios. Maybe not like in 2012 and 2013, where Force Indias and Saubers had a half a shot at a podium at half the races. But I do think that the gap between the midfield and the front runners has come down slightly this year. And I think we could see a Renault, a Haas, a Force India on the podium, uh, hopefully more than once this year. I think that's that's quite a good prediction, although it was more of a question, wasn't it, Matt? When we talk about midfield, who are we really talking about? Are we talking Renault backwards? Are we talking 
the everyone behind the four manufacturers? Yeah, we were talking everyone right now who's not Mercedes, Red Bull or Ferrari, I would say. And regarding his prediction, um, as someone who looked at this a little bit last year, because I got curious, almost every year a midfield team winds up with a podium just through random attrition. So what would be different would be for that podium to be much more on, I guess, merit, like half of the top six don't crash out. Uh, but but he's right in terms of his teams. I think if we're talking about the top midfield teams, we have to talk Sauber, we have to talk Renault, and we have to talk Haas. And and that's that for that. Summers, you agree with that analysis? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, I really hope that the midfields can be drawn closer to the top teams, but unfortunately I don't see that particularly uh, coming out in terms of the qualifying times. I think... The, the front two certainly are going to have a massive advantage over the rest of the field when it comes to actual uh, qualifying pace. But I think when it comes down to race pace and tyre management, I think that's where we might see some of the teams drawn back into the battle. And certainly I hope that there's some more strategic elements to the racing this year in terms of the the tyre choices that go on in order to try to, to help that uh, battle commence. Yeah, and and uh, I don't know. It's hard to make too much out of testing unless you just look at actual mileage for reliability. And my personal favorite to compare uh, teammates and their mileage and see who got the short end of the stick. Uh, but I would I would rate Haas a very likely candidate uh, for picking up a podium this year. All right. Well, why don't we go uh, more towards the midfield since we've been talking about them and kind of the midfield of the Missed Apex project as well. The the behind the scenes crew trumpets. You and I don't know how to make a video look o- okay with the screens and stuff. We don't know how to make a website do anything. Uh, we would be pretty useless without our arty people in the background, Matt. Yeah, we absolutely would be. And uh, much like a driver without an engineer, we'd, we'd eventually be uh, just flailing around in circles. What do we call them? <laughs> Should we call them pit crew? So let, let's hear from our pit crew, first of which is Felix Bowen. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. I, I think with names, you can just pronounce it whatever way you want and just do it differently every time. However, he is Swedish or, or Dutch or or Danish, or or something. Anyway, he makes the website look good. Here are his predictions. Okay, so here are my predictions for 2019. Uh, So my low-risk prediction will be that all Jake Sanson's predictions are wrong. (laughs) No, uh, that's just (laughs) a fact. Uh, But uh, yeah, Um, my low-risk prediction will be that Lando Norris underperforms while George Russell overperforms. And over to my high-risk prediction... Uh, I think this is the year Hulkenberg gets his first podium. Interesting. There's a lot of hope in that, isn't there? Uh, Let's circle back around a little bit then to our young drivers. We talked about Albon, but then we we touched on the other two great British hopes, if you will. It's fair to say, isn't it, Summers? All the hype is Lando Norris, Lando Norris, Lando Norris. George Russell seems to have just sort of quietly gone around his uh, about his business. 
Yeah, well, I think that the thing there, Spanners, is that the expectation or the weight of expectation is more on Lando anyway, because he has a car that perhaps will allow him to to battle amongst the rest of the midfield, where unfortunately George is going to end up in a position where he's at the tail end of the field. So the expectation from George is pretty low because the only real person that he's going to be battling against is the likes of Kibitza and anybody who's having a, a poor race for any particular reason. Yeah, is it is it that pessimistic trumpets? Just Williams just circling around, around the back on their own, being lapped four times. Maybe he could develop a reputation for being quite good at getting out of the way of the leaders, and uh, and that could get him some camera time. Well, it, Williams is perhaps one of the most complicated and confusing stories to try and follow because there's the obvious disarray starting late. There's the fact that their parts wore out and they couldn't really continue testing as they wanted to uh, before the testing that they were able to do was over. But by the same token, I also hear that they stumbled upon a late breakthrough that necessitated a massive redesign and that the car itself is much more drivable than the previous year's model. And so what, in essence, you have right now, at least according to the drivers, is basically everything between now and Spain will be sort of testing of one sort or another. But we're not really going to know if they've made anything up until about halfway through the season. So if you're George Russell, this is great, but it's not really going to put you in running for Rookie of the Year because you're not going to have the vehicle to demonstrate your skill and prowess. Summers, is that Williams a lost cause? No, nothing's a lost cause. And as I've mentioned before, I actually find that there's some nice technical details about the car this year, uh, which obviously draws some interest from my side of the fence. But as a package, if we look at it compared to last season, it is clearly a step on, but it's just not a, a large enough step on to correlate with the others that have made significantly more uh, from the the rules that have changed this season. So as Matt says, I think it's difficult to judge Williams on the opening part of the season. I think we need to wait until at least Spain before we really start to see them uh, make any efforts towards the midfield, um, which is obviously disconcerting for any Williams fans out there. But hopefully, as the season progresses, they might be uh, cheering their drivers on a bit more. So if you're a Williams fan, I think the best thing you can do is reduce your expectations for the first half of the season. Look at the situation now in testing and go, Crikey, that doesn't look good. We can still wish the team well. And there's still a fascinating comparison between Robert Kubica with just an incredible story and George Russell with his own beginning of his incredible story as well. I do fear what will happen to the internet itself if George Russell starts getting results and qualifying and dominating Robert Kubica. I I think that Reddit will melt and that YouTube will have several small fires summers. But it's, 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 a, it's a possibility. If anything, I'm taking all that good feeling for Robert Kubica at the moment, and I'm just, I'm worried for them. I'm worried it's not going to work out, and I'm worried about what the reaction is going to be to George, because George could become the focus of a lot of hate. Yeah, well, unfortunately, because there is obviously a, a lot of hype surrounding Robert's story. Uh, but I think that the thing that you have to remember about Robert is that he's been out for such a long time that he has a very different reference point when it comes to the tyres. And I think that's really hurt him in terms of the time and 
mileage that they've done at testing and and that's been one of his biggest gripes that they just haven't been able to get the mileage out there so that he can get an understanding of this year's tires because that's where he really struggled when he started testing with Renault and obviously in the early stages of being signed up for Williams but in terms of George Russell I think he will um, have a, a better chance of beating Kibitza in the early stages just purely down to that factor mm-hmm. but I think as we start to the season to to unfold perhaps they'll start to come together in that respect as Kibitza learns the tyres so it's going to be fascinating the battle between those two in my opinion and, and certainly Trumpets Kibitza is going to have that race craft you don't lose that that's in his head that's in his brain he's got all that experience over Russell yeah the experience will probably help him quite a lot in races because he's been in all of those situations before Whereas Russell is in a new car and in those situations sort of for the first time. He's been in that pressure cooker and he knows he can handle it. But I'm also going to put out there that Kubica very much is their development driver in the sense that he Hmm. really gets on with the engineers. And what we could see is as the car progresses, it tends to progress more towards his side of the garage because that's where they're taking their feedback from as well. That's a very, very good point. All I'm saying is it's going to be fascinating still looking at the Ferrari garage, even if they're a couple of seconds off the pace. But SJ in the chat room says, don't worry, let's be honest. Williams have just been fuel saving in the last two weeks, uh, getting a jump on everybody in that regard. Uh, right. Where are we going to go now? Ah, we were talking support staff, weren't we? Our pit crew who make the things we do look beautiful. But first of all, we may or may not go to an ad. I don't know. So you're either going to hear a word from our kind sponsors or just an awkward fumbling pause. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good. I hope you enjoyed your commercial or fumbling pause. Let's hear from the epic legend 
in Mist Apex that is Steve Amy that does this video, that does all the moving things behind us, that yells at us when our chroma key is off, that shouts at Summers when he's got a weird shadow against the wall, trumpets. He is the beast of our visual experience and has grown this channel to over 3,000 subscribers, which is good for us. Which is amazing for us. And I was just thinking of if these, um, if, if our pit crew were in F1, I might have to liken him a little bit to Helmut Marco. I don't know. What do you think? I, you've lost me. You might have to just elaborate. Uh, Toro Rosso boss, one eye, famous for axing youngsters at the slightest transgression. I, I do think that if we gave Steve the power of just booting people off the podcast, we would have to reduce our panel size significantly. Yeah, but to be fair, how hard is it to turn the light on, Chris, or sort out your bookshelf, Chris? Now it feels like I'm targeting Chris, doesn't it? Let's hear from our Aussie video beastmaster himself, the legend that is Steve Amy. Hi, Spanners. Hello, everyone. Here are my predictions for the new season. My fair chance prediction is that Danny Rick will win at least one podium place this year. Of course, that will mean that Ferrari or Red Bull will have to have a particularly terrible weekend, but still, I think he'll get at least one. And my long shot is that Red Bull and Honda will have a meltdown sometime during the mid part of the year, and that will allow McLaren to come through and take third place in the constructors. That would be a wonderful thing. Oh, do you know what? It was all sounding relatively coherent until just the very last sentence. So let's pretend for a second that he, he wasn't bigging up McLaren, or as we like to call it at Mist Apex, pulling a Philpot. Uh, his initial points were obviously biased because he's desperately hoping that Daniel Ricciardo can pick up a podium, Matt. I'm, I'm not seeing it. There's a lot of people who are very enthusiastic about Renault. I think they're going to be solidly fifth maybe pushing towards fourth i can't see them picking up regular podiums as much as it would be good for the sport for daniel ricciardo to keep being on the top step and doing frankly gross stag do antics yeah i i would say that if it's the right race and the right things happen he definitely would be someone to watch for a podium because he's been there and done that and knows how to get the job done but uh, you know I, I would say Haas is is very clearly the team to beat in the midfield based on the testing numbers. And that's that's probably not going to change a lot. Uh, there were a couple of races last year where in qualifying, they were literally sort of in a league of their own. They were almost as fast as a Red Bull and they were several tenths clear of all the rest of the midfield. I don't see that changing. They've got more money to spend and they're getting better and better operationally. So I I. I, as much as I would like to see it, I think it's uh, I think it's a smaller probability of success than perhaps Steve would like. Summers, are you seeing anything encouraging from an engineering and tech point of view that's making you think actually, yeah, these guys are starting to, ve- to develop and pick up? Because the the concern is Renault's a big company. But how much do they actually want to invest? Are they going to in- invest Mercedes money? And are they going to be able to develop and just throw that just weight of manpower at it? I think it's 
important to realise that they've already already thrown a huge amount of resource at the project um, and they're continuing to do so. You have to remember that from a manufacturing point of view, they're, they're not only uh, a constructor, but also an engine supplier. So they have two things to think about in that respect and their budget has to be split according to that, that factor. Um, which is obviously in some respects holding them back when you compare them to the likes of Red Bull. But for me, for Ricardo to podium this year, I really do think that we're going to have to wait to see him pull a Jensen button um, and just go with the bonkers out there strategy in order to be able to get on the podium. And he's the kind of driver that can pull something off like that. So um, obviously... I've won plenty of money on the Ricardo bets down the year, so I'll be uh, I'll be furnishing my uh, betting account with the Ricardo bets this year again. Excellent. Well, we're talking. Uh, what we're we talking there? We're talking Ricardo at Honda. Probably Red Bull are more commonly predicted to be ahead of Renault. We've got a couple of Red Bull uh, uh, related predictions coming up, so I'm just sort of scrambling around here, playing them from my phone because I said to everyone, "Hey." Just send me WhatsApp voice notes. How hard could that be? It's been an epic struggle, Matt. Yeah, it has been. And I was going to fill that scrambling about with a quick note that, that we are hearing that Honda might be rethinking its packaging a bit for the Red Bull. And, and this is interesting, and I would guess ultimately related both to the gearbox failure, but also possibly to cooling issues um, at, at Barcelona during testing. All right, well, let's hear some predictions. So Steve said that Red Bull Honda would come out strong but have a mid-season meltdown, and then we're ignoring the fact that he said McLaren would come in third. Now let's hear from Kyle Edgy Power, one of our newest uh, podcasters, but he's been in and around the BRKC scene. Uh, He is a a Grebo. He possibly washes annually. He's got lots of piercings, occasionally has something good to say about F1. He's very fast, though, and he can speak into a mic. And here he is. Hey, it's Kyle here. And these are my predictions for Formula One 2019. So edgy. So my safe, which isn't very safe, (laughs) prediction is that Ferrari are going to have the dominant car and they will start off extremely strong and should go on to steamroller the championship. But... They will have a 2007 McLaren-style implosion mid-season when Leclerc inevitably gets on top of Vettel, causing a lot of friction, and they're going to have a spectacular falling out. And in a weird, poetic justice, roundabout way, Lewis Hamilton will come and snatch the title from them from right underneath their noses at the final round. Um, My slightly more out-there prediction will be that Red Bull will start extremely strong, but then Honda are going to bring a massive engine upgrade to the canadian grand prix and they absolutely nail it and it will catapult red bull into being the dominant car and max Verstappen will go forth and win the title summers what's the chances that car power is right there i think the the most interesting thing is the honda thing we'll get to the vettel leclerc because there's another prediction coming up that includes that but is there a chance that honda turn up mid-season with one of their three engines And it's just suddenly, boom, right there, right at the top of the grid. I don't see them being able to claw back the huge amount of difference there is between, say, them and Ferrari and Mercedes uh, in terms of power. But, yeah, there's always potential for them to make a big leap. And I think what everybody else has to remember is the way that Red Bull have always approached uh, their development in terms of being down on power. So they are used to that because of their relationship with Renault. So them with a Honda power unit, 
and their obviously chassis benefit and the way that they they use their aero could uh, obviously give them a, a decent advantage when we uh, when we consider an, another step on with the power unit. Trumpets, everyone is desperate for Red Bull Honda to be up in the mix with those two people, with those two people, with those two teams, Mercedes and Ferrari. And we are guilty of getting caught up in the hype train, like we're willing them on. And then we kind of count Singapore, Mexico, Monaco as these great victories. Really, that is a sign that they're not changing and that they're not adapting in a way that will bring them up with the top two. If they keep only winning Singapore, Mexico, Monaco, it means they've they've got a setup that isn't maximised to the whole F1 season again. They've, they've, they've become so used to having to fight with an underpowered power unit, even if they got a great powered Honda, are they set up to punch through at Silverstone, Monza, Spa? If they were equal on power, yeah, I believe they would be. Is it as simple as that, Summers? Is it a case of, well, more power, we've still got the aero, so we'll just push through that aero and we'll have the best of both worlds? Uh, yeah, I mean, from a, a concept point of view, Red Bull are very much in a different realm when you consider them to the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari. So clearly, if they did have more power, they would have to reconsider the way that they operate. But, you know, given the opportunity to have a similar power level to the top two, I do think that they would be able to adapt and, in fact, perhaps be able to beat the the, the two big teams at the moment. Matthew King says, Steve Irwin levels of wild speculation there from Carl Power. Yeah, I mean, overall, overall, the optimism is not bad. It's not inconceivable that a team with Red Bull's resources and a, a producer like Honda with their resources should at some point click together and produce a championship winning car. That's not impossible. We're not talking fantasy land stuff. However, uh, talking about the, the the battle between the Ferrari drivers, very quickly, Matt, I've got I've got two more coming up. I've got Alex Brundle and Jake Sanson coming up. How do you see the Ferrari boys playing out with each other? Well, I think what's interesting about that is we've heard from Ferrari directly that Vettel will be the number one driver and Leclerc will be the number two driver. And I see that playing out well until you get to a situation. And here I will reference my bike racing years where the um, person who is not the leader is doing better on points. And then they're going to have perhaps some issues unless they've sat down and sorted everything out very clearly ahead of time. With Bonato in charge, that might have actually happened for once. All right. Well, let's see uh, what is coming out of the speculative mind of Alex Brundle. So I have two predictions for um, the F1 season. I think it's going to be a really interesting season. I've been watching the testing form quite closely. There is a very close chance of Charles Leclerc winning at least one of the first three races of the season, which I would like to see. I think he's a, he's a top bloke. And um, the outside chance, the first eight or ten races of the season, Renault outperforming Red Bull uh, based around setbacks uh, and damage in, in qualifying. Um, but we'll see what transpires. Um, I think certainly the first time we'll know is is first qualifying in Australia. So let's see. Leclerc to win a race. What did he say there? Within the first eight races, did he say? First three races. Wow, that is bold. I quite like that. So that means that he gets in the car and just instantly clicks and and if the Ferrari is the dominant car and Sebastian Vettel doesn't finish one of those races, which has happened a lot over the last couple of years, actually, there's no reason, Matt, why Leclerc shouldn't win a race. 
No, it, it's it's actually a very good um, uh, prediction to make because it's fairly likely to happen, as you point out. All right, should we hear what Sanson has to say about the subject? And by the way, uh, did sort of say to Alex, are you going to come on the show soon? And he seemed enthusiastic and not in that kind of just overly polite, yeah, yeah, we'll see way, in more of a... Yeah, no, that would be a good thing to do. So I do hope we, we hear from Alex more because he does give us a bit of an insight into things outside of F1 as well. Is is that all right? Is that enough, Matt? Is that like he's our token, not F1 person? Yeah, I think that is utterly fine. All right. Well, Jake covers all motorsports. Jake Sanson of Downforce Radio, motorsport commentator, covers everything from lawnmower racing through to karting, through to real race cars. The guy is invincible as a commentator a genuine grade a man to call your race he is however completely bonkers and just devastatingly irritating here's his predictions i think for the 2019 season it should be lewis hamilton who wins the title if it's not going to be him it's going to be charles leclerc i genuinely feel he's going to be better than vettel at ferrari once the season really gets started and i'm not even sure that vettel really knows that's coming so i genuinely think well you know by the time we get to europe Leclerc will be winning more than Vettel will. I have a feeling as well that this could be Williams' last season. They may not even see out the season. Renault will get a victory with Dan Ricciardo, and Hülkenberg will finally get his first podium. But Red Bull will actually bring a much better title fight to the table than people think they will. So this is going to be an amazing year. I think he's right. I think it is going to be an amazing year. Uh, Leclerc to completely surprise Sebastian Vettel. There's part of me that's willing that on because I've never been a Vettel fan. And Leclerc is genuinely Summers, isn't he? He's genuinely a talent. And uh, I know we didn't rate Marcus Ericsson, but he went there in his first season and just did the job. Yeah, and Leclerc's uh, testing times proved that he has more than a match for for that car. His his times and his stints are, are very impressive. So I really do think that uh, Vettel perhaps has to keep an eye over his shoulder. And, and obviously that agreement that they've got in place for the few, first few races, once the gloves come off after that, then I really do see there being quite the titanic battle between the pair of them. Trumpets. You caught me looking at the chat room. I was doing that as well. Even at 2pm on a Monday, uh, they're still flying by far too fast for us to keep a proper track on. I've, I've enjoyed today. It's a daytime show. The nighttime shows feel a little bit like party mode. Like let's uh, let's get into kind of the Chris Evans, don't forget your toothbrush type thing. And it's all the bumpers and jingles going everywhere. When we do it in the afternoon, when we do like our Patreon waffle, it's uh, it's always a little bit more chilled, a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, it is. Um, and it, and it's very enjoyable. And it, and it is uh, very much a different kind of energy. And then I go outside and there's actual sunlight and it freaks me out. Uh, but that's uh, that's my problem. I won't make my problems your problems. We have one audio clip left. And that is the predictions from VLN champion. Bradley Philpott, who'll be racing in a higher class of VLN this year, I believe. Although I do apologize if I've said something. I can't remember. Had he, had he announced that? Uh oh. Uh, everyone forget all yeah. that. He's going to be in VLN anyway. And he's doing a lot more karting this season as well. I know he's set up a karting team as well as being the organizer and one of the top competitors in the British rental kart championships. Always very, very valuable for us as a driver analyst to have a proper professional driver on there and his insight. And of course, he is the curator of the Bradley Philpot Lane system. 
pattern pending, uh, which will hopefully put us in good stead to argue about things over the course of the season and when we do our eye racing, because Matt, I mean, clearly Alex Van Gene violated the lane system last night. Oh, that's what Brad says. I mean, yeah, I, I don't even feel I have to bring a personal perspective to it other than to say that, well, if you really want to dance around those three corners at Lime Rock with someone who's basically an iRacing noob, well, you know, and, and just be lucky that you made it that far. And like when I had a big dispute with uh, Van Gene over iRacing, we talked about it on the podcast. He was a little upset that he wasn't on that show to defend himself. And he's also not on this show to defend himself. So it was definitely his fault. And Matt, you are a saint in racing terms. Well, thank you very much. And I want to say something that will no doubt inflame the situation. And do you remember the advice that he gave you that you should move over and make it impossible for him to have a good entry into the next turn? Yeah. Yeah. It it certainly crossed my mind at that point in the track that perhaps I should make it more difficult for him to be able to get around the next turn. So that I would be fully past him. I mean, but I, if, if you look at it at full speed, it does very much look like you punted Van Gene into the fence. Anyway, that's an argument for another time. Let's uh, let's hear from the lane system inventor man, Bradley Philpot. So here are my sensible and more far out predictions for Formula One 2019. So sensible prediction. I think Red Bull will emerge as the fastest team. And I think Max Verstappen will leave Australia with the lead of the world championship. And my slightly more far out there prediction is continuing on from my optimism for McLaren for 2018. I think McLaren will be the fastest of the midfield teams and they will show that their their testing um, pace where they set the fastest lap um, on a couple of the days um, was not just showboating. Um, and that it was genuine pace. So there's my two predictions for 2019. Are we sure that Brad knows what both those words mean? What, the names of the teams? No, I mean sensible and far out. He seems to be using them as a synonym for each other. Yeah, no, he's like really good at talking about driving and how to operate a car. He is notoriously terrible at preseason predictions. He called McLaren as title contenders last season. And here he said that Red Bull would come out as the dominant car. I don't think anybody's entertaining that. Although, should Verstappen have the perfect storm and win a race no doubt he will claim that that was in fact that counts he's called Verstappen as leading the championship if he wins in Australia we'll give him credit if he made that prediction I would have been much more on board with it Verstappen wins in Australia and leads the world championship headed to the next race Jonas Madhouse says was Brad high (laughs) Mark Greenow another McLaren apologist I knew I liked Brad and uh, Othnol Gallimore says all those predictions from Brad are way out there. Yeah, I don't agree with any of them. L- let's talk about McLaren then quickly. Summers, C- perennial underachievers, like a slightly better with their money version of Williams, but they're not really nibbling around that kind of podium threatening place. So when... Alonso qualified seventh at some point last season. You know, that was being held as like a massive victory. It's like seventh is still pretty far down. That's a car that you finished second in the championship with. Sorry, third by half a point in the championship with. Why on earth is anyone celebrating seventh? Yeah, well, unfortunately for, for McLaren, I do see them as part of the battle for what is really the midfield. You know, 
you have the the top end of the midfield, the middle, and then obviously the back teams that are, are really struggling. And McLaren, for me, perhaps will be the ones that sit right there in the middle, and they tend to pick off points or other drivers whenever the chances uh, approach for them. But yeah, they, they they should be punching higher than they are. Um, they do now obviously have a, the second year of being able to use the Renault power unit, and I really expected them to be able to push on in that respect because they made some strange uh, decisions when it came to installing the power unit for 2018, and so with the with the, that reversed for 2019, I expected them to be able to to make a bit of a, a leap forward. But I'm not really seeing anything that's going to suggest that they're going to be fighting with the likes of a Red Bull, a, a Renault, or even a Sauber who've, who've made quite a leap. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be very much a turnaround here for them. And let's not forget the new personnel. It seems like the management woes and structure issues of the last year or two that have plagued them have been sorted out to a certain extent. And you have Andreas Seidel coming from Porsche to run things. And that, I believe, will make a big difference. But I am quietly optimistic. In fact, that was one of my entertained predictions that McLaren will indeed have a proper top five finish in a race that they earn uh, on merit and not just by attrition. I see them moving in the right direction, but I think they haven't. I think it'll take them this season to really get their momentum going. And that next season will be we'll see where their plans really take them. Again, next season. Every every season. This is like Renault and McLaren. Oh, yeah, by 2018. I still remember Neil Palmer saying by 2018, Renault would be championship contenders. Then when 2018 rolls around, oh, no, no, I never said that. It, we just said there'd be some improvement. I don't see McLaren entering the top five this season or next season or in the foreseeable future. To be clear, I'm in a top five finish, not finishing the oh, whole right. season in the top five. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's all right. Fair enough. I, I still spiritually in my head, Summers, think of the old six places point system in F1. And I still consider a top six finish to be a thing, even though it, it's not really a thing anymore. But for those midfield teams, poking into a top six finish is is like their podium, isn't it? And it, in the olden days, where F1 points were so precious, it was, it was wasn't it? It was precious. Outside of the podium, you, you you picked up your one point for sixth place, and that was a, a real tangible thing. Yeah, obviously the point system being changed has obviously altered everybody's perspective of what they classify as a win, I guess. Um, but in terms of this season coming up, if Red Bull have perhaps slackened off a little bit, which is unfortunately for Brad where I feel that we may be in a position of, that Red Bull are actually a little bit more adrift of Mercedes and Ferrari at this stage than they'd really ideally like, that will obviously drag them towards the likes of Renault, Sauber, McLaren, Force India, etc., at Haas, obviously. Uh, and then that means that though, that sixth place that you're talking about is actually within touching distance. So it is going to be interesting to see how the likes of Gasly and Verstappen react to perhaps being dragged into that, that sort of top-end midfield battle. If you are a Red Bull fan or a fan of Max Verstappen and uh, Gasly, presumably there's some Gasly fans out there, are there French F1 fans or are they, are they all still getting out of that car park from last year's Grand Prix? If you're a Max Verstappen fan, what you want to see is that car finishing the first six races. So 12 point scoring finishes in the first six races up there, well ahead of Renault, ahead of force racing stroll and just getting around there being fast, competitive, racing each other. I think that would count as a victory in the first six races. I don't think we need to get too carried away with Red Bull. If you see them doing that, 
you can kind of go, well, this is it. This is their bad relationship with Honda out uh, with Renault out the way. This is Honda's woes of constantly blowing up and being on the side of the track out of the way. I mean, how many how many races did Ricciardo not finish last year summer? It was something like seven, and that's too many. Yeah, it was a it was crazy to be honest to see the reliability issues that were that they were having. But you you remember that. Uh, it, it's a push not only from Red Bull in terms of trying to make that gap up between uh, Ferrari and Mercedes, but also the pressure that they heaped on Renault to to make that gap up as well. So I think that plays a major factor into into their performance last year from a reliability point of view. It's very much a mindset with them that they will employ high risk strategy uh, relative to Ferrari and Mercedes, and it's a clever one because it will gain them sort of eyeballs and marketing share even when it goes wrong. And so I don't see that as being uh, from a business or a team point of view necessarily poor strategy. But if they really are onto something with the, with the Honda, if the new packaging works better for them, then that's something they're going to have to think more carefully about in the future. Good. Well, that just leaves us three and our predictions. Doesn't it trumpets or have I forgotten something? No, but before we go on, if I may, um, the thing that struck me most about testing and I'll just bring this up quickly, uh, out of all the things I could bring up, and there are many, and I could go on for at length about how I just even thought through bringing them up, but I can see that your eyeballs have crossed. Mrs. 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 Spanners is going to come through on our <laughs> smart speaker any minute and tell me I need to run in there. And if you, if you, she will come over there and get you, and you know she will. I, I am the only person who potentially terrifies me more than Steve is your wife, I will be honest. Um, <laughs> but what struck me most was how little mileage Racing Point actually did. That does not bode well for them this season, in my opinion. All right. Well, let's get the predictions from Summers F1. Summers, before you give us your predictions, how's your YouTube channel going? Obviously, you don't deem our channel good enough for your content. You've got to go out there and push the Summers brand and... As a result, like three people are watching it. Fine, let's pretend I'm not bitter about that. How's your YouTube channel going? Well, it's progressing, isn't it? At the end of the day, I've got a few more extra subscribers and some people watching my stuff. And at the end of the day, I'm in the early stages of rebuilding my YouTube channel. But things are going okay at this moment in time. Is this the channel that's got all the football and the F1 career modes? Or have you have you got a tech channel now? I, I've decided that I'm going to try to split those off in in a, in a few weeks' time because obviously, yeah, I do uh, partake in uh, FIFA career mode stuff as well, so I, that I like might to, uh, put some people off. I like seeing the comments on your YouTube videos. It's just like, huh? Wait, wait what? <laughs> why is why am I watching FIFA now? What are we up to now? FIFA? I guess it's by the years, isn't it? It's FIFA 19. It's not like FIFA number yes. one. I still rate sensible soccer as better than any FIFA computer game. And I, I knew the perfect way to score, just on the outside of the 18-yard box, from 20 yards, kick it and then fully curl into the corner. Keepers had no chance. I will take anyone on in the world at sensible soccer. Summers, what are your predictions for the 2019 season? Okay, so my my basic prediction is that we're going to see the battle renewed at the front. Uh, we're going to see a very tight uh, battle between both Ferrari and Mercedes. I think Ferrari will enter the start of the season ahead uh, in terms of not only from a chassis point of view, but also from understanding the tyres a little better. But I think they have less scope to be able to develop their car. And that's when we'll see Mercedes really hit them hard towards the middle and end of the season. And I think come the end of the season, we're going to see a huge amount of uh, 
battling going on between the top four drivers in those teams. And have you got a more crazy prediction for us? Well, my more crazy prediction uh, is in the shape of Kimi Raikkonen and Sauber. Uh, obviously, Sauber have impressed in terms of their car design this year. And I really like some of the uh, design concepts that they've come up with. But I, my prediction will be that Kimi Raikkonen will podium before Max Verstappen this year. Say that again. Kimi Raikkonen will podium before Max Verstappen. And you are calling them Sauber still, although that name is gone, yeah. isn't it? So we, we'll have to get used to calling them Alpha. No, I mean, it'll take a while, won't it? Because it's been Sauber for so long. All uh, right. Your two things then. Something about Merck and Ferrari, I drifted off, and that Kimi would podium before Max Verstappen. Let's go over to Matt Durumpitz. We've missed you. Chris has done a, a sterling job in your stead, but the show is very, very much got, got trumpets as part of the furniture, as part of the walls. Don't leave us for that long again, trumpets. Uh, what are you up to, you know, promoting things wise? Well, obviously the wife's book, um, the one I love to hate by Amanda Weaver at a Weaver writes on the Twitters is coming out. So if it's something that you might like to read, please, by all means, go pre-order it now at your favorite ebook seller of choice. So I think that's that's probably the big thing. But um, I don't know. I don't want to drag us down too much time wise, but I, I might have in the way of our podcasting relationship a bit of a confession to make. Uh Oh, so here goes. Do you know yesterday in iRacing when you were following me around and you couldn't believe the lap times I was turning? Yeah, considering you're using a controller, I thought it was quite good. I was still faster than you, obviously. But yes, very impressive. About that, it's possible that I may have acquired a wheel and pedals in the meantime <gasps> and, you and have been using them. You didn't tell us. Why didn't you tell us? that? Honestly, everyone was sitting there going, it is impossible for you to get times like that using a controller <laughs> on a simulator. Oh, you you get. All right. Well, that explains it. In that case, you still perform terribly. And I expect a vast improvement on the next iRacing event. You, of course, hang out mostly on Twitter as at MattPT55. Matt doesn't have my restraint. Obviously, I don't have any strong political opinions one way or the other. Hashtag corporate, hashtag media. Matt Trumpets, however, if you want to get angry with him, go get in there, get roughed up. If you want to see pictures of trumpets, follow him on Facebook. Matt, what are your predictions for the 2019 season? Well, I, I've thought long and I've thought hard. And I think my entirely not out there and reasonable prediction will be that Haas finishes fourth, a solid fourth, well ahead of the rest of the midfield in the championship. Mm-hmm. And that they get an honest to goodness on merit podium before the end of the season. See, I agree with that because that pushes Renault down to fifth and i i am not as optimistic as everyone on renault have i mentioned that have i, have I mentioned that i don't think i've but yeah so I, I think you might see haas and alpha and racing point all really fighting i'm not saying all three of them will finish ahead of renault i'm saying renault is in danger from all three of those teams right and as for my out, out there i predict that williams will finish not last of the car is actually still on track when the checkered flag falls before Spain. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Is this your far out prediction? Is that Williams yeah. will beat a single car from a single team in the first six races? Yes. And, and you are saying that that is so unlikely that that's your far out prediction? I think that's entirely reasonable. 
I think what we'll go to Summers for 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 judgment. Is is that too is that too reasonable a prediction? Do I need to do I need to go farther? Um, I, I, to be honest, looking at Williams' pace, I think you're kind of on the money. But yeah, I was expecting something more wild uh, of an accusation from you, to be honest, Matt. I mean, it's the ultimate oh, damning with you. faint praise, praise, isn't it? Damning with faint praise that they might not have both cars in the 19th and 20th places of the cars that finish. I think that's important to know. Of the cars that finish. Thank you very much for your predictions, Matt. I'm Spanners. I'm your host here on Missed Apex Podcast. You can follow me at Spanners Ready. And this week, I would love to turn your attention to a podcast I was a guest on called The Conversation Hat, which was an improv podcast by the very talented and funny Liam Taylor and also his friend, who I think was called Dan or Ben or Steve. I didn't like him as much. But it was a fun chat. So if you want another hour of Spanners, go and check out the Conversation Hat podcast. We will be here next Sunday at 8pm. If you want to support us on patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex, we would be forever grateful. Get in touch with me if you want to come sim racing on the 16th of March in Milton Keynes or to Rye House on the 20th of April for some karting. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars and glory last forever this was Miss Apex I wanted some newspapers to shuffle there look like that there we go shuffle it made more of a bang than a shuffle sound there we go shuffle God, I'm, I'm no foley artist am I this is no this is no good at all oh well I best go in I'm going to get yelled at what is it, Trump? Oh, no. Right. Hey, I know. Uh, even though I don't really have time and I'm going to get yelled at. Matt, what is this week's... Comment of the week. What, bearing in mind that you're risking my marriage here, what are the candidates for comment of the week? And I have boiled them down to exactly three for you, as you have not even requested yet, but certainly we're about to. Uh, our friend, Chris Fonseca. Before your Monday morning commute, presumably means the commute home. Uh, yes, today. Yeah, it does. Sorry about that. We tried our best to spread the message that we were broadcasting it not on Sunday, but on Monday. You can send blasts out on YouTube, uh, but I didn't want to spam everyone. Uh, we will come up with a better system, I promise. Uh, our friend Bruce Wayne with Pirelli catering to specific teams slash drivers has never ended well for the championship. I a lot of that is conspiracy and just reading into random things that have happened. And when those random things fall against your team, it's a conspiracy. When it falls in line with your team, that's somehow the status quo. Didn't hear many Mercedes and Hamilton fans complaining that the thinner tyres that really suited the Mercedes were then going to be used for an extra four races. Because originally, wasn't it just a temporary fix? And then suddenly... It came in for another four races in 2018, and they weren't then going, oh, now it's a conspiracy to help Lewis Hamilton, because it certainly did. Yes, and our last candidate is Blue Cube with, I think the real question is, how Ferrari will implode and throw away their advantage this season. Well, I'm assuming it will be Vettel-based. So who's our winner of Comment of the Week? Oh, it's challenging, but I think we're going to go with, uh, for the tropiest version, Blue Cube. Uh, I think the real question is how Ferrari will implode and throw away their advantage this season. Well done, Blue Cube. Get in there. Comment of the week. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.